And now, coming to you from over 65 million years ago, all the way from the badlands of Montana to the far reaches of Mongolia, follow him on Dino Day Paleo Adventures on Facebook or YouTube. Welcome to Hell Creek and Back with Dino Day Fuquay. Welcome to another episode of To Hell Creek and Back with Dino Dave. Mecca is defined as a place that attracts people. When capitalized, the word Mecca means it's the holiest city for Muslims. For paleontologists, however, Mecca is Mongolia. Mongolian dinosaurs were first discovered by a real-life Indiana Jones figure named Rory Chapman Andrews in the 1920s. In fact, Indiana Jones was indeed modeled after him, or at least the rumor goes. Andrews loved adventure. He worked for the American Museum of Natural History and convinced them to organize an expedition to Mongolia to find the origins of man. But instead, he found the very first dinosaur eggs and other treasure troves of complete dinosaurs nobody has ever heard of before in the famous flaming cliffs of Mongolia. We all have our childhood heroes. Rory Chapman Andrews was mine, a true adventurer. I've often dreamed of going to Mongolia, but it was only a dream. I never expected a chance in my lifetime to experience Mongolia. About five years ago, my friend and I were out prospecting, and we found a very beautiful Triceratops squamosal, or right side of the frill. You know, I went to Montana State University to study paleontology, but I did lose track soon after getting my biology degree. I didn't think going to eight more years of school to pursue paleontology was the best idea at the time of my life, and I drifted away from the field. I still loved the prospect, though, and at the time, this might have been one of the best things I have ever found with the help of my friend. My professor in college was Jack Horner. Roy, he was a Roy Chapman Andrews in his own right. And whenever I find something, I email him pictures and if it's good, he will email me, email me back. And if it's really good, he'll, he'll, he will email me instantly. Well, it just so happened that he was in a current scientific debate on whether or not a torosaur was really just an adult Triceratops. He needed more evidence. And Triceratops squamosals were that evidence. What luck! He quickly got the proper permissions to collect this specimen. And in a couple months, couple months later... I was guiding a world-famous paleontologist on a dig. Now, there are a lot of dino geeks out there that would have paid a lot of money for this experience alone. The story would have been good if it just ended there, but it just began. To get to this specimen, we had to do some hardcore four-wheeling that only an eastern Montana Montanan could do. With the help of my brother, we made it to the site, as, and as we were digging, I started teasing Jack a bit. Oh, come on, that was nothing for a guy like you. Just think of all the times you've had to do that sort of stuff in Mongolia. Well, Jack, who has always had a good sense of humor, didn't mind the teasing. Or maybe he was just really excited about this specimen I found, because what happened next, I couldn't believe. As Jack was digging the Squamosal, he looked at me and said, I'm actually going to Mongolia next month. Do you want to go? Seriously? I replied, dumbfounded. This would have been a horrible joke if he was teasing me back. But if there, you know, if there was a Make-A-Wish Foundation for Dave, it would be to go to Mongolia to dig dinosaurs. This was my absolute dream. And to go with my Professor Jack, 
even better. I'm going next month, Jack said, and we have a spot available. Just like that, out of the blue, I was asked to go to Mongolia. All I had to do was get to a certain Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia. I didn't even heard of it until he told me, or pronounce it. I had, all I had to do was get to the Ulaanbaatar, I still can't pronounce it, hotel by next month. This was pretty much my only instructions. The rest would be paid for. I told him instantly on the spot, if I could find a plane ticket for under $2,000, for that's what I had in the bank, I would go. I found one that night for $19.50. I couldn't have been more excited. Jack was never much on giving out information. All I knew was to be at this hotel with camping materials for 13 days. I accomplished that task and met the crew in, in op optimal September weather in Ulaanbaatar. Once there, I was informed that the dig was made possible by a winning bid at the Museum of the Rockies by owner of the Meridian Clothing Store, Andrea Bennett, or Andy for short, with her sister, Julie. Andy was a beautiful, successful entrepreneur. She built that business from the start two years out of college. She had a taste for adventure, uh, adventure, a world traveler. Once I realized she was the sponsor, I felt a little sheepish, like perhaps a freeloader. But she squashed that instantly. With her, there's an instant warmth that she made you feel like family within the first 30 seconds of meeting her. It's amazing how humans can discern instantly a fake salesman smile with the real thing. Andy's was the real thing. She made you feel like home. A trip to somewhere in Africa. Anyway, there's... Then there was this Jack's... Our crew was, a co was cozy. It consisted of Jack, Andy, Andy's sister Julie, and Matt. Matt was a similar situation to mine. He met Andy randomly when they were both in Africa somewhere. Then there was Jack's Mongolian graduate student, uh, Badma, who spoke amazing English, nice as can be, and about five Mongolian field workers and cooks. It was brought to my attention that the only reason I was able to go was because another friend backed out only a few days before Jack invited me. I really couldn't believe my lion stars. I wasn't used to that. We took off early the next morning in a Russian 4x4 van. This van was great. I wanted one. It could go anywhere. And you had to in Mongolia. It didn't take long before the highway turned to asphalt, then to dirt, and then the further you got from Ulaanbaatar, there weren't even roads anymore. Couldn't even tell. And there weren't any rurals either, it seemed like, in Mongolia. There were no fences. You just drove anywhere you wanted. Everyone owned the land, not one person. I loved it. Our driver raced through the dirt like it was the Baja 500, and we were bouncing everywhere. Our destination was 13 hours away, so I made sure I got used to it. We were just going to drive until dark and then camp out wherever we were. That's how you do it in Mongolia. When darkness hit, that's when Jack hit me with some truth. You see, Jack was a Marine, and the Marine came out in him. He first called me soft. He had 13 days with me in the middle of nowhere, and I think he was just testing me. Still, it had offended me a little bit. I'm not soft. How dare you call Eastern Montana kids soft, I thought. Truth is, he spent months in the Vietnam jungles. I doubt I would have made it past one day of Marine boot camp. So to his point, it was valid. And from his perspective, I probably was soft. But then he asked me, do you know the difference between you and the rest of the crew is? Uh, no, I said, what? About $10,000. You are here to work. Fair enough, I thought. I have no problem with working. Not sure if he had to put it like that, but to his point in, domin his point in dominance was said, and I was happy to be in Mongolia. And I had to prove I wasn't soft. 
Well, just after our conversation, I had to set up my tent. My brand new tent, which I'd never set up before, and now in front of a Vietnam Marine who just called me soft. If I was Superman, setting up tents would be my kryptonite. I looked like an idiot. Everyone was staring at me, but it was a brand new tent. I've never set it up before. And to make things worse, I just figured it out. It came together in my brain when one of the Mongolian crew members saw my struggles and decided to help. No, no, I got it, I said with a smile, but he didn't know English and just wanted to help. I tried again to say I got it, but his desire to help and he just wouldn't take no for an answer, even if he knew I was saying no. So there I was. The first night I had to have my tent set up by another man just after I tried to prove to him that I wasn't soft. I was off to a bad start. We woke up that morning surrounded by a herd of goat and sheep and and probably some other animals. And there is a man dressed in Mongolian wear that hasn't changed for a thousand years. A herder. We must have been exciting to him as he was to us. He even showed off his horsemanship skills, just running everywhere. It was real exciting. I, I never felt more like in a movie than at that moment. We took off. And about four hours later, after passing several herds of camels and other Mongolian folklore things, we got to our location and it was very amazing. We were surrounded by reddish clay dunes with the majestic Altai Mountains in the distance. Every day in a camp, a herd of camels would come walking by. We were looking for this abundant dinosaur called the Cetacosaur. They were only about two feet long or less, but the Cetacosaur is probably one of the most abundant dinosaurs there have ever been found. That's why Jack was going for him, because he thought he could learn a lot about population dynamics by the more samples he could have. I have to tell you, the very first Cetacosaur we came across was almost an eerie experience. This is the difference between Mongolia and Montana's Hill Creek Formation. Here at home, fossils are very abundant, but articulated fossils are very rare rare and once exposed the weather gets to these hell creek dinosaurs so fast it's hard to find good complete dinosaur bones but not that way in mongolia almost every cetacosaur we found was articulated which means the bones were all in place to see something so perfectly preserved after 100 million years it felt alien the cetacosaurs were a small parrot-like dinosaur or parrot they called parrot beak only about two feet long, but to see that that up close, like it was buried yesterday, I felt like I was in some Star Trek episode. It didn't seem possible, but there it was, halfway around the world in front of my very eyes, this alien-like creature there in the reddish clay. The next week, Matt and I were chiseling out of stone nine cetacosaurs on what may as well be concrete. It was very extremely tough and tedious work. And work didn't actually technically start until nine, but I was only in Mongolia once. So I asked Jack if it was okay to prospect in the morning before nine. He said, as long as you're working at nine, I don't care. So I would actually wake up a half hour before dark each day and walk with my headlamp out to a few places where he had not looked. That gave me about an hour of prospecting each day. I didn't find my famous feathered dinosaur that I was looking for, but I did find a few more cetacosaurs. I really, really hope I get a chance to go back to Mongolia someday. That trip changed my life. That trip really gave me dino fever. I found so many cool things back home because of the buzz I got from that Mongolia trip. I remember when I asked for time off to go on that trip, my boss said something like, dinosaurs in Mongolia are probably the thing I care the very least about. I have absolutely no interest in them. 
but he gave me permission anyway. Truth is, he didn't really have a choice. I was going no matter what. And maybe to most of the world, they have no interests or they don't matter. But here's one thing on that trip that did matter. It was only because of Andy's generosity that I was able to go on that trip. I don't know if I was ever fully able to express how thankful I was to her. But she was completely generous to a complete stranger. And that trip truly had an impact on my life. And I gained a friend and family member with Andy and Andy's sister, Julie. She wasn't really into dinosaurs either. She just loved adventure. I know for a fact that if Andy had not been so generous to me, I wouldn't have continued my latest dinosaur path. And then I wouldn't be doing this radio show. So if you're listening to this, whether you know it or not, in some small regard, she's affecting your life also. All because of her generosity. That trip was five years ago. Well, a few days ago, the beautiful Andy unexpectedly passed away. Of course, it was difficult news. I think about that trip. 100 million year old Cetacosaurs that looked like they were placed there yesterday. My boss is probably right. They don't mean much. As fascinating as it was. But what did mean much about that trip was Andy. When you meet a person as generous and genuine as she was, you realize somewhere amidst all those Cetacosaurs that this life is just an instant. But generosity can last forever. Thank you, Andy, for being so generous towards me. It changed my life. You have listened to Hell Creek and Back with Dino Dave. I hope uh, I see you next week. Find more about Dino Dave at TreasureStateRadio.com. You are listening to the Treasure State Radio Network.